and Paul's writing to the church here and last week if you remember the emphasis was that Paul was saying we preach Christ crucified we might compromise on lots of things we might compromise on lots of things at home but we might compromise on lots of things in church but one thing Paul's saying to the church is don't compromise on preaching Christ crucified even though he says look at the cross it will be a stumbling block to the Jews because they'll be saying how can a crucified Messiah be our Messiah surely he's accursed or the Greeks who put all their emphasis on wisdom they said it's foolishness how stupid and the challenge last week of course was that though some that looked upon the cross were perished but others were saved by the power of God that there was no middle ground that you couldn't keep sitting on the fence and I hope that some of you responded to that challenge last week and took that step of faith but Paul goes on in the letter and the news that he'd received from Chloe and others that there, there was divisions um, among, among the church the question I'm posing this morning is are you growing in maturity Paul had planted the church probably around about three or four years previous he planted it and so he expected growth when you plant anything you expect it to grow but all he was hearing was anything to the contrary hearing of immature behaviour you know the sort of behaviour like the told of two congregations that were um, just literally a few streets away from each other um, in the small community and they thought it was better that they merged to came together because they were just small on their own that they might be united and larger and more effective body rather than two struggling churches together it makes sense doesn't it we've probably heard that many times good idea everybody thought but they were unable to pull it off what was the problem well they could not agree on how they would recite the Lord's Prayer one group preferred forgive us our trespasses whilst the other group demanded forgive us our debts so as the local newspaper reported one church went back to its trespasses while the other returned to its debts light hearted maybe but there's definitely some truth in it Paul uses the image of a child is the image of my three Elizzie, Annie and Johnny and of course like any parents you expect them to grow but we read from scripture that we are a new creation in Christ that when we have taken that step of faith that there's a transaction between heaven and earth and God's Spirit comes to dwell within. And we begin to be changed from the inside out. John writes, he said, those who receive Christ, who believe in His name, have the right to be called sons and daughters 
of the living God. He goes on to say, children not born of a natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So when we initially take that step of faith, we're seen as babes in Christ, if you like. That's the imagery Scripture gives us. You're not fully grown up. You're a babe. And Paul had a far, was a fatherly figure to the church, having planted it. And so like any parent, he expects his children to grow. Here they are a few years later. And they get Lizzie every week. So here's the other two. Wouldn't it be strange if they oh, if they stayed like that? You see, you'd be worried. You'd be saying they're stunted growth. They haven't developed. They haven't met all their markers. As parents go to the health visitor and the like and we measure them to see if they've physically grown and can they, have they got the dextrous, thank you, can they use the fingers well and coordination and all those little development markers and the parent comes home full of, oh do you know what, guess what they can do now? We expect that, we look to that and if they can't then we say, oh heck, What's happening? And Paul was like that with the church that he planted. They were babes, but he was expecting them to grow into adults, to be mature. Unfortunately, all he was hearing was that there was stunted growth and that they weren't growing as he anticipated. How ridiculous! And the question is to us this morning is, since you came to Christ, have you grown? Have you grown in the knowledge and love and the grace of God within your life? Or is there stunted growth? Just because you've been a follower of Jesus for decades doesn't mean He loves you more. It means you have known that love longer. Equally, longevity in the church or how old you are doesn't necessarily mean how mature you are in Christ. As someone said, you can only be young once, but you can be immature indefinitely. And it's the concern of any pastor or leader like Paul to help others to grow into maturity. To not stay as that babe, but that they might grow into maturity. Not smelling like old cheese, but being the aroma of Christ. So what were the signs of spiritual immaturity? What were the signs 
of spiritual immaturity. Notice that the concern from Paul and all that he was hearing and all that he was responding back to was he wasn't necessarily asking how has the church grown numerically? I mean, it's the message we often use, is it? And, and how many go to your church? We use that as a measure of success. But Paul's question was, but how many have grown in the maturity and knowledge and love of Christ? How many are reflecting Him? In my previous church, we were on home mission support, and in a few weeks' time, we're going to focus on home mission, and I've invited the, the pastor from Wyndham Baptist, where they are on home mission, and I've invited him to come and preach, but also to share what does it mean to be a home mission? And the whole mission is a church that can't self-support itself like we can. They're, they're dependent on outside support, at least, to support ministry in many different ways. It's a challenging place. But every year, when you draw from that central fund, from the Baptist Union, you get a visit from, from, the, from that grant committee who come and talk to the minister and the leadership and they have 101 questions and checking whether you're doing mission and reaching out and da 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 it's, it's practically a, he- a healthy health check actually every year we get away with it because we support ourselves we don't need anybody else but it's actually a healthy thing challenging but one of the questions they ask which always used to annoy me was and how many have been baptised and how many have grown uh, what's your numbers but they never asked, and I always used to throw it back to the people. And, and do you want to know and how many have grown? Oh, we haven't got a box for that. And Paul's more interested in not the numbers, but were they moving on from being a babe to growing up to be an adult? Because in being an adult and being mature, how much more the effective they were for the kingdom's sake, rather than remaining a babe and being childlike in their faith and therefore seeing childlike behaviour. And unfortunately, that's what he was hearing, the childlike behaviour coming from Corinth at the time. I discovered what someone called the devil's beatitudes, but I have to say, when I discovered them, there's a lot of truth. Let me share, share with them briefly. I'm sorry if you can't read them, but I will read it out to you. Blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend even an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expect to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are the touchy who stop going to church for they are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers for they shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers for their complaints are music to my ears. Blessed are those who keep a list of the preacher's mistakes. Oh, they are blessed. For they get nothing out of his sermons. 
Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church for he is a part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are those who gossip for they shall cause strife and divisions that please me. Blessed are those who are easily offended for they will soon get angry and quit. Now we've all had a nervous giggle with a number of those but we also know in that nervous giggle we've either been that person or we've known a situation that has caused some of those predicted blessings or problems. What were the signs of spiritual immaturity at Corinth? Well, they were behaving like children, as we've already said, rather They were lacking the wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul says that they were worldly, right at the beginning of chapter 3 there. He says they were fleshly, if you like. They weren't behaving in a spiritual manner. They were driven by their selfish needs and their wants. And maybe they had no sense of boundary setting. And we know with any children, that's not a healthy situation to be in. There are no boundaries where they're not seeking to be obedient. Where they're just doing their own thing. Paul expected that they would have grown, but he realised he couldn't speak to them about any deeper issues about their walk with Christ because it would just go over their heads. Who? Huh? I don't get it. What you're on at? And they were deceiving themselves. And they were normalizing the childlike behavior rather than being willing to be changed. And so for Paul, it was back to basics. There was no point in bringing steak to put in front of the baby because it wouldn't be able to chew it or digest it or indeed benefit from it. And that's how Paul felt with the church. They didn't appear to have grown. I confess, I loved Farley's Rusks when my kids were younger one for them and two for me but it wouldn't have been helpful for my children or indeed me if we remained on that diet there's a moment when they progress onto solids even if it's sloppy solids you know how it goes and Paul's trying to give us that same concept that as we grow in Christ we're not meant to just be on the milk. We're meant to be progressing to the sirloin steak or, or whatever your favourite might be, where at the end of it you think, oh, that were good. And sadly, Paul had got the sirloin, sirloin steak, but he knew it wouldn't have any effect because they couldn't chip it. They'd got no teeth. And they were reliant 
I hope you're getting the picture anyway. You can take up to water, someone said, but you can't make it drink. It's amazing how when, I'm sure we were all younger, how we used to think that our parents knew very little. And we had all the answers, and we would do it our way. And it was only when we grew and matured that we realized perhaps how much our parents did know. And that's because we've grown. They were behaving in a childlike way. No growth in wisdom or understanding. They were, if you like, men and women behaving not godly, but badly. They were reflecting the world around them rather than the kingdom of God within them. They were reported of divisions, as we touched on last week. Well, I'm of Apollos. Oh, well, I'm of Paul. I mean, that was probably touching the iceberg. There were quarrels. There was jealousy. This is the church we're talking about. And it appeared to be accepted as the norm. You'll know well that James, when he wrote his letter, said that the uncontrolled tongue is, is a sign of immature behavior, bringing havoc and chaos. He likened it to a spark that sets off the forest fire. It was Titus who wrote and said, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. So what's the point in getting into a deep and meaningless conversation of, of whether Adam had a belly button or not? Who? Huh? Did he have a belly button? Or... And Paul and Titus are saying, don't get drawn into those things. You'll be arguing till the cows come home in one way or another. But shift your focus on getting to know Christ more. We're all prone, because we're humans, to hurt and to upset each other. But God, by His Spirit, is at work within us to change us. But He doesn't come in as a bulldozer. The Holy Spirit's been described as a gentleman. Will you let my way be amongst you? Is it your will or my will. So as we're called to serve the community, as Corinth was called to serve the community, what should have been ringing in their ears is, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, if you love for one for another. But in fact, all that the community around Corinth was hearing was that they were quarreling, that they were jealous. In fact, they were no different to us. So what a great advert. Oh, come to church and have a good quarrel. Come to church and beat each other up. Because that was the message that was emanating from Corinth. Now granted, it's a young church. But Paul had great aspirations for them. He wasn't giving them any excuses. We've got the knowledge and wisdom of 2,000 years. So I don't know what your excuse is. 
<laughs> Sorry. Paul longs that they would get their act together for the sake of the church. And sometimes pastorally situations can feel like a pastor or leader is talking double dutch or it's playground tickle tackle that you feel like saying just grow up there are more important things to get hot under the collar about than some of the things that you're going out of proportion now other signs of immaturity was that they there was a sense of some of them perhaps falling away that the seed that had been sown by Paul and watered by the Spirit was being allowed to be as it were snatched away you know the parable there of the um, of the uh, sower the one who received the seed sown that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy but since he has no root he lasts only a short time and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. But in the prayer this morning in the world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart, or be of good courage, I have overcome the world. There are those that are reliant upon their feelings, and will be the happiest, when everything is okay. But if they've not put their roots down into the Word of God, then they have no anchor and they have no sustenance and will remain weak and fragile and vulnerable. Because when the storm comes, that will test how secure that believer is in Christ. The boats can easily be rocked in those that are immature. And when the circumstances change or when it feels like, and I know there are some of you at the moment, where it feels like the kitchen sink is being thrown at you. It's not that you try and understand it all. It's that you just keep hanging on. Because although we are faithless, He is faithful. And He will keep hold of us. And He will see us through. But if we're still babes, then we can be rocked and thrown out of the cot, if you like. Because we've gotten out to hold on to. We're holding on to emotions, maybe, and a nice feeling and a warm feeling, but that's not enough to sustain and to grow. They become fragile and easily knocked over. The gospel excludes pride. Any foundation other than Christ is very shaky. You know the wise and the foolish builder one could do it all quickly on, on, on the sands. Sorted. That pack house, as it were. And the one who chose to find at least some solid ground 
did it more measured and careful in building his life. Look at the foolish of the crops and the wisdom of man. And when he chose you, he chose the weak and the foolish, the low, the despised, those lacking influence in high places, to shame the wise and the strong. The gospel excludes pride. I touched on a few of the things there happening in Corinth, and there will be many more. And no doubt some of you might point some of those out to me of my mistakes afterwards at the end. No, you won't. But, <laughs> but what, were some of, what are some of the marks of maturity, of how they were growing, or how we are growing? What are the marks? Have you grown? Developing Christ-like character and behaviour through her renewed mind and the tested faith and being changed. It's a daily battle, if we're being really honest. It's a daily battle. The flesh, as Scripture talks about, this is what I want, and the work of God's Spirit within us challenging us, making us conscious of perhaps sin, things that are not right within our lives. Paul talks about it, doesn't he? I don't do those things I ought to, and I do those things I ought not to. Well, that's Paul. So if he's struggling with it, fair shot that you're, you're like to be struggling with it. Well, it's which we're giving into. And some of the markers of maturity is that it's someone who is longing and desiring to know Christ more. They're not saying they've made it, but they want to know Him more. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Do you know what? I want to be around people who are desiring to know Christ more. Because it has, it's infectious. There's a sense of humility. They haven't made it, but Christ-likeness is their goal. Paul says, getting what's behind me and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards heaven, towards the goal to win, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He wasn't saying I've made it. And whatever role or position you've got in church, that doesn't mean to say you've made it. Hopefully it means you're fulfilling God's call upon you to serve in the life of the church. But it seems to me part of this knowing Christ and the humility of Christ being reflected in, in our lives as well, that actually something of that is actually keeping good company. It's having those around you that will spur you on. You know, I started running a, year, a, a couple of years ago. I used to do a bit in my youth, and I thought, well, that will help me get fit again. And I started doing some running. And one of the things I struggled with was doing it on my own. And I used to do the 5K around Heartsease and down Thunder Lane and blah, blah, blah. But I struggled to do it on my own. There was a few occasions when David Robinson knocked at my door 
and said, Steve, are you coming for a run? And I'd be going, oh, really? But I got the kit on, reluctantly, and I went for the run. And I felt far better for it. I pushed myself out to go and do it. It's a bit like that with our walk with God. We need each other. We need each other. Those other people who are, Paul gives this athletic picture of straining for the finish line. We need others running alongside with us and spurring us on. Keep going, Steve. Keep going, Kevin. Don't give up now. Rather than people pulling faults, oh, you've not got the right trainers on. You've not got the right kit. You're not very fast. The marks of maturity are those longing to be Christ and a humility reflected in our behaviour. The marks of, hum- of maturity is us bearing good fruit. You know, we talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, but also there's the aspects of not just the gifts, it's bearing good fruits. The fruits of the Spirit too. Are they evident in our lives? Is there the fruits of kindness and, and long-suffering and, and faithfulness? These are marks of maturity, of Christ at work within us, changing us from the inside out. So we don't have to put it on a pedestal. We don't have to put it on our foreheads. But actually it's evident in our demeanour, in our behaviour, in our thought processes, in how we come alongside people, or not as the case may be, in where we're committed or where we're uncommitted. It's evidence. Fruit is evidence. Or the lack of it. There's the spirit of conviction. Because we're sensitive to the work of the spirit within us. But there are times when actually we just feel uncomfortable and we're sensing that "Mm, maybe this isn't right. Or maybe we've said something or done something or not, as the case might be. And the spirit of God just witnesses within say mm, that wasn't great was it Steve maybe you need to go and put that right rather than allow it to grumble on it's a mark of maturity we're being changed it's equipped by God's words being grounded in God's word you know this isn't just for Sunday this is for each day of the week and more can pack it in. That doesn't mean to say super spiritual and super mature means that you're reading two or three or four chapters a day. That's got nothing to do with What it does mean is that, as we talked about the book and the meat earlier on, this is your meat to veg. This is what feeds and stabilizes you and nourishes your soul that enables you to grow in Christ and in the knowledge and love of Him. But they were still needing to be spoon-fed because they were baby-like. Whereas Paul was wanting them to be adults where they could serve themselves and get the Scripture out, as it were, for us today. They didn't have all of this New Testament that we had and feed on it. When Paul, when Timothy wrote, he said, 
um, sorry, when Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And my question would be, do you have a teachable spirit? D.L. Moody said, Scriptures were not given for our information, but for our transformation. If you don't want to be changed and you want to stay as you are, then don't read the Word of God. Alternatively, expect to be challenged and grow as we dig deeper into the Word of God. Mature behaviour is being grounded in God's words so that when the storms come, we're able to be held and we're steadfast and immovable. None of us is immune to the storms of life. But James writes and he says, Count it all joy when in trials the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And he goes on to say, which develops maturity. We've, as it were, stood the test of time and out the other end as well, but also grown in it. And I know my experience has been in those difficult places is that you tend to throw yourself more on God in those difficult places. And it seems that your prayer life is much more tentative to His voice and that you're reading Scripture and it seems to be speaking a bit more louder to you despite all the difficulties going on in our lives because he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us so why cut him out then in those difficult places which of course some people do it's all God's fault and so we're steadfast and immovable in those difficult places we're not blown around by every fad or wind of doctrine or, um, that might come into our lives or into the church life. As the song goes, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There's the gifts of ministry shared, um, shared within the life of the church for the common goods, not for look at my gifting but it's for the common good that all might be equipped and built up to maturity. It speaks about in Ephesians, all those different roles of pastors and teachers and prophets and etc. They're there to equip that the body of Christ might come to maturity and grow up and be more like Jesus. And a caring heart, a heart of compassion. Galatians says, you who are spiritual, restore gently those caught in sin so those with the compassionate and caring hearts those that are strong within our midst then look on others with eyes of grace rather than eyes of correction all the time you know sometimes it's easy to see the mistakes in other people's lives but hopefully the mature won't be going to just put them right they'll be going with a sense of grace Maybe, yeah, I've been there myself too. And lovingly coming alongside them and 
maybe unpacking it and helping them to grow. Rather than coming with condemnation and they think, well, I'm not going to near that person again. We are a people of grace too. And a people of truth. And of course, mature, belief, mature behavior is that we're seekers of peace and unity. Paul again writes to other churches and he says, do whatever you need, whatever you can to maintain those bonds of peace and unity about your fellowship life. And that will be attractive. The psalmist says, how good and that is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Why? Because that's where God commands his blessing. I want to be a place where God cannot hold back but pour out his blessing his people but if we're not peacemakers and reconcilers then we go and the playground behaviour and the jealousy and the divisions and the squabbles and the gossip that doesn't come under the criteria of Christ-like behaviour. Paul, when he writes to other churches, he tells them, take off this clothing, the sexual immorality, the jealousy, the divisions, and put on the, the, robe, the, the wardrobe that Christ has given us so that we're bearing the fruits of the Spirit. What's the remedy for immaturity? Very simply put, Confession, keeping a short account before God, the humility to admit we've not got it right. Maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe there's a challenge for you here this morning that you've been coming here for quite some time, but you don't appear to have grown too much. Actually, when I talked about encouraging one another and spurring one another on, one of the great places the got is not such morning. It's actually within our care group system where you're coming alongside other people with all their struggles too and you're able to pray for each other and you're able to have a word in season and encourage and inspire one another too. But confession, keeping that short count before God and developing healthy discipline. To be a disciple of Jesus, we get the same word, discipline. We have disciplines. We're being disciplined. We're knocking ourselves into shape like the athletes. So we're making time to read God's Word, whether that's a few verses or a few chapters. But we're making time to be talking with our Heavenly Father, casting our cares onto Him, inviting Him into all of our personal circumstances and looking for His hand to be on, upon us and submitting to His will counting the cost to follow Christ. Paul said, it's no longer that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's not an easy-peasy, a cuddly Christianity. It's not the warm, glow Christianity. Paul talks about submitting to Christ and saying, not my will, but your will be done. And to you be all the praise, and to you be all the glory. Paul talks about submitting and keeping the cross central in all things and not sidelining it or looking for any other foundation to build on. Whew, we've packed a lot in there. 
you dare come back next week we're going to look at how Paul begins to resolve some of those conflicts in the life of the church there's lots for us to glean from how Paul handled the church in Corinth so have you grown since you first turned to Christ or is it still the same behaviour that you're repeating is there stunted growth do you still need milk or are you looking for some meat do you want to know him more spur one another on week by week day by day and not be a stumbling block that causes people to fall back and fall away can I urge you to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus and can I ask that those who are strong would come alongside those who need carrying and encouraging we thank God for his word let's pray